and praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, if you'll turn there tonight, and, and uh, I mentioned this morning I was going to preach a message tonight about sin. I'm not going to do that. I had a good afternoon. I was able to sit in my lazy boy and read my Bible all afternoon. It was nice just to relax, and uh, the Lord just began to speak to my heart about these few verses in Luke chapter 1, and so I'm going to share some thoughts with you from those tonight. Uh, I just want to dispel a myth if I can. Somebody said to me uh, this morning, Pastor, whenever anybody sings on the platform, you sing along. You know every word to every special. The words are all on these screens. So I'm just going to I don't know everything at all. I don't know the tune. I'm just singing the words, all right? If I know the tune, you'll probably hear me because I sing at the top of my lungs when I do know the tune. But uh, I don't know all those songs. I just, I, that's the first time I ever heard that one. That was a great song tonight, The Name of Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, declaring the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Luke chapter 1, I begin to read, just kind of want to read about the Christmas story and, and uh, read it over and over again every year and try to understand some things that I've not seen before, perhaps. But notice what the Bible says, for as much as many, this is Luke speaking, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus." that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Let's pray together. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the precious name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd help us that this month we focus upon that name, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But the one that really speaks to our hearts is his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh God, may that message penetrate our hearts. And for the lost that might attend our services next weekend, we pray, Lord, that they might hear the name of Jesus preached. They might hear the choir glorify the precious name of Jesus Christ. Lord, they might be drawn to him as he is high and lifted up and put their faith in him before it's eternally too late. Father, for the next few moments tonight, I pray that you would Allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. Help us, Lord, with these introductory thoughts to the book of Luke. But Lord, there's so much packed into them. I pray that you'd help us to glean from it, help us to learn, help us to grow. Speak to our hearts, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice what the Luke is saying here as he writes. And of course, Luke is one of the disciples who was writing in these gospel messages. And the Bible says, for as much as many... For as much as many have done what? Have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. I read that passage and I thought, many? How many are there that have set forth to declare the gospel message? Luke is speaking specifically about the day that he lived in. And if we understand when the gospels were written, we'll understand this. Only the book of Mark preceded the book of Luke. So that's not many. The book of John was being written at the same time, and Matthew would be written after the books of John and Mark. So he's not referring to them. 
most of the Pauline epistles were already being written by this time. And so perhaps he's speaking about the Apostle Paul, that he has related the gospel through the book of Romans and different epistles that he has written to different churches. But really when he's talking about inspired scripture, there's only two that he could refer to. It would be Mark and it would be Paul. And so who is he speaking of? I believe there were many others that probably wrote down the gospel. There were those that followed him. The Bible says there was 120 in the upper room. And if they were wise at all, they would have written down the things that they had seen and heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think if you and I were there and we had lived through that period of time, if we were privileged enough to, to know Jesus Christ personally and to see the miracles and to hear him preach and to witness what was going on, and if we were convinced in our heart that he was in fact the Messiah that was promised to come, perhaps we would write things down. Perhaps it is something we would want to pass on to our children and our grandchildren and generations behind us. We do the same today. We are not the authors of Scripture, and we do not write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but we do write out the gospel in gospel tracts. We include it on the back of a John in Romans. We hand out the Word of God, and we try to propagate the gospel and, and pass it around as best we can, so we, we strive to earnestly declare the gospel. And so I must believe when Luke says there were many that were writing down the gospel, he wasn't just referring to those inspired Scripture writers. I'm sure there were many that loved Jesus. The Bible identifies who these people were. It says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. They were believers. They were those who had a steadfast and firm foundation in their faith in Jesus Christ. We don't know who they are. They are not named. The Apostle Paul will often name other people who were faithful to the gospel. Those who provided a place in their home for a church or those who were faithful witnesses or faithful servants in the church at Corinth or Philippi or some other place. And so we see many disciples in the word of God that would faithfully preach and teach the word of God. And he says they were all believers. They were those who had believed. And verse 2 says, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Look what it says, verse 3. This is important. It seemed good to me also. What is he saying? He's, he's literally saying there are many books that have been written about Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not here tonight to promote anything or to pretend in any way that they were all inspired scripture. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good pastors today have written books. There's a lot of good men and women over the years that have written good books or gospel tracts and such, but they are not inspired word of God. But that's not what Luke is intimating here. He is simply saying there's been a lot written. A lot of good men, a lot of those who surely believe have written a lot of good things about the gospel message. But Luke says, but it seems good to me also. It's important that I write it down as well. And here's why. Look what he says, verse 3. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write in thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. He says, I, I need to write these things down because a lot of people that are writing them down, they, they haven't witnessed everything about Jesus. Perhaps they were there for part of his journey, and perhaps they were there for the crucifixion, and they believe in the risen Lord, but I, I was there from the beginning. 
And not only that, for some reason, Luke believed that he had a perfect understanding of all these events. No doubt because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write them down. He had a perfect understanding. And so he says, I have set in order some things. And he addresses the book to a man by the name of Theophilus. You say, who is that? I don't know. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know if it's a person or an idea. Because the word Theophilus means one who loves God. Is he addressing it to a man named Theophilus or is he just addressing it to everybody who loves God? It doesn't really matter. The truth is this, the gospel's for me and the gospel's for you. Now look at verse 4. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. He uses personal pronouns here and he says thou, that thou mightest know about the things that thou hast been instructed in. So Theophilus tonight, and if we can just, for the sake of argument, say it's each one of us. Each of us who truly love God, that's what the name means, a lover of God or one who loves God. And if you truly love God tonight, he is saying, I want you to be assured of your beliefs. And I want you to be steadfast in your hope. And I want you to understand that the things you're being trained in are important. And so notice what he says tonight. I believe that there's a motive behind Luke's writing. And I began to pray about this, and I read these verses over and over and over again. I said I spent the afternoon reading. I read four verses over and over and over, trying to get a grasp on them, praying, God, what, what does this mean? And I believe the Lord impressed upon my heart that there was a motive in his writing. I believe that Luke had a concern that as many people came to him with these writings, it says in verse 2, they came to him with them. They brought them to the eyewitnesses. He was concerned that perhaps some of these writings were becoming watered down. They say, why is that? Well, because in human nature, we become a little bit cliche, don't we? We use catchy phrases to describe what we believe. And Luke, Luke was reading these things and understanding that I, I don't want Theophilus to slide. I want him to be steadfast in his beliefs. I want him to have a full assurance of, of these things that we have taught him and these things that he believes in his heart right now. I cannot let those things slide. So it is incumbent upon me to make sure as a witness of Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end, I must write down those things and make them very clear. So Luke gives us a clear testimony of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he goes back and he starts with the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus Christ. But I notice as I read these four verses, something in each verse that helps us declare Christ to another generation, that help us to make sure certain things don't slip. How many, how many of you actually, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you fear that? I, I got to be honest, we, we do, don't we? I remember years ago having a conversation with Pastor McLean, and he was telling me about where his kids were and where they were living. And, and he mentioned one. He said, yeah, they're going to a church. Yeah, it's not the kind of church I would like, but, you know, and, and just a little different than what he had raised them as. And, and, and I said, you know, Pastor, I said, in this day and age, it must just be such a relief that even though they're not 
cookie cutter, the same as you, that they still love Jesus and have a desire to go to church and worship him, even if it's not quite the same. And he says, oh, you've got that right. It's such a blessing that they want to go to church and they still love Jesus. But there's such a fear in our lives that our next generation will slide, that they'll slip away, that they'll fall away. We wonder sometimes how will Bethel Baptist Church continue if the next generation doesn't rise up and embrace the things that we believe. We wonder where our society will head if Christians are not vocal and stand. And my biggest fear today is not, I'm going to be honest, it's not Bethel Baptist Church. I I believe God can do whatever he wants in the confines of this space. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe he can do whatever he wants in our world today. But my greatest fear is the world and where we see society heading. Things we wouldn't even talk about a generation ago are now just on billboards. They talk about the murder of innocent babies. The foolishness of the the, the trans agenda and all the rest and sexual confusion and dysphoria and all the... It's incredible. We wouldn't even mention it, a generation. It wasn't even the punchline to a joke. But now it's normal and you must accept it or you're wrong and intolerant. Unfortunately, they don't tolerate the truth of God's word. So Luke says, I have a concern His concern was that he would set forth in order a declaration. This is Luke's declaration. These chapters that we read in the book of Luke is Luke saying, this is my statement of faith. This is my declaration. This is what I believe and this is what I want to pass on to the next generation. Those that come behind me and read it, I want them to to, to make no doubt about it. This is where I stand. And I want you to see four things tonight that the Lord laid upon my heart. How do we impress upon the next generation? Number one, in verse one, we need a faithful declaration. Just read it again with me. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. I almost feel like Luke is appreciative here. He's thankful that there are many making this declaration. That he's not alone in his declaration of faith. That there's a group of people that surely believe as he puts us some things. But he's thankful that there are many that are declaring it outrightly. You know, it's difficult for somebody like John the Baptist in his day to stand as one, a voice, a voice, singular, crying in the wilderness. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. We remember Elijah on Mount Carmel, and he said, I only, I remain a prophet of the Lord. And and he felt like he was all alone in that moment. But it's wonderful to have a group of believers that will stand and declare something together. And friends, if we are going to raise our children in the next generation, listen, I I need not only, they, they don't need only only hear my voice declaring it they need to hear yours and it's not just about our voices they need to see your life declaring it that when you say I believe something and they run into you in the grocery store they can see you believe it that your behavior echoes your heart and that your behavior shows what's going on with your lips 
And so we see that Luke says, I need to make a faithful declaration and I'm thankful for those all around me that continuously and faithfully declare the word of God. I think sometimes today we're almost ashamed to proclaim the name of the Lord. We don't, we don't see, I, I went over to Brother, we don't see this as often, but I was thankful I go over to Hagersville uh, to see Brother Bauckham. And the first time I went over to see him at his new house where he lived in the apartment there, I said to somebody, I said, where do they live? And they said, well, he said, he told me, he says, just live across from Helen's Treasures. Now, every lady in the building knows where that is, right? And there's a little store there called Helen's Treasures. He says, just park there somewhere. And he says, you'll see the apartments across the road. And so I said, okay. So I, I, I drove over there and I got thinking, I don't even know the number of the place. I, I don't know which one it is. And I, I texted Brother Hilton and I said, Brother Eric, I said, where is the Bauckham's apartment? Which number, do you know which number it is? He goes, oh, you'll know it, brother. And so I pulled in and sure enough, there was an apartment. There was scripture hanging all down the railings. Trust in the Lord and you got to be saved. And, and I thought, man, we don't see that much anymore, do we? An open declaration of our faith. Listen, I wonder sometimes how, how long it is we can work in a place before they even find out we go to church. Are we vocal about our faith? Luke says, I, I'm so thankful for many, many that have set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed. Among. Listen, notice what they were declaring, the things that they believed, not their preferences. Well, I like this hymn better than this hymn, or I don't like that song, and I, I don't like the idea that Brother Calvin's playing his guitar on the... I, I, no, no, it wasn't about preferences. It was the things that they believed. Now, notice, notice secondly tonight, this declaration, this declaration came with a careful adherence to the truth. A careful adherence to the truth. Notice what they did in verse 2. Even as they, who are they? those that are making the declaration in verse 1, these many people, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Here, here's what was going on. Those many people that were making these declarations about their faith in Christ, whether it was verbal preaching or whether they were just witnessing in the streets or handing out a gospel track or handing out Bibles or whatever they might have been doing, they said, Luke says they came back to us and they said, hey, we want to make sure we're telling the truth. This, this story of Jesus casting out the, the demons of the, of the man from, Gad from Gadara, the man that was cutting himself from the tombs. And I'd like to preach that this Sunday. And Luke, tell me, did that really happen? Oh, yes, it happened. And they would sit at the feet of the disciples and they would learn and they would grow. He's saying they came back to us as eyewitnesses of the truth and they took what they had learned and they made sure they were adhering to the truth. He said, well, what is your point? I, I said a moment ago, we've become a cliche Christianity. We have so many of these little sayings that we like to say. Let me ask you, are they actually scriptural? How many of you ever said this or heard this before? God helps those who help themselves. Anybody heard that or said that? I saw a bumper sticker. Saw it on Facebook this week. Give me a scripture that supports that. Do you know who God helps? 
those who cast all their care upon him. Say, God, I'm weak, but you are strong. I am nothing, but you are everything. I have no power, but you are almighty. I don't know how to take care of this situation, but you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you can supply my deepest needs. Where is your scripture? These that testified to the Lord Jesus Christ were very careful that they adhered their testimony to the truth. Amen. Listen, you're, we're tempted to do it from time to time. Boy, it makes, makes great memes, doesn't it? You see these ones, I, I don't know why people make memes with cats. And then they put a scripture on it. I don't think there was a cat in the Bible unless they sacrificed that thing. But we, we put all these little cute little kittens and they say, well, this is how God works. No, it's not. Read your Bible. Stick to the truth. It will help you. I, I told you an uh, illustration a few weeks ago that we went to a basketball game and they were teasing the, those who thought they could lose their salvation and, and they were chanting, once saved, always saved, once saved. Always. Listen, you, you can say that and you can believe it, but you don't find those words in Scripture. Scripture says everlasting life or eternal life. And the concept might be there, but let's not get clever. Let's adhere to the word of God. So their testimony and their declaration, with careful adherence to the word of God, they, they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. They were accountable. But look at verse 3. In verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. This might just be a restatement of number two, but let me say it again anyway. There was a constant reference to the witness. Luke says, I think it's important that I write as well. It's wonderful you know, it, it, sometimes, you know, I, there's every once in a while, I'll give a testimony of somebody. This morning, I give a testimony of my friend, the, the pastor that is uh, taking Golden Harvest Baptist Church next year. And it's, it's, it's interesting to share a testimony. I might, I might hear something during the week, and I hear about somebody that was in the hospital, and God miraculously healed them, and, and, and they made great progress. And I'll share the testimony of what might have happened between them and their doctor, and how a testimony went forward. But it's not the same as hearing that person give their testimony. And that's what Luke is impressing upon our hearts tonight. He says, it's wonderful to have a testimony and it's wonderful to declare the truth, but we must always go back to the witness. You know, we can hand out a gospel track or we can give something clever away, scripture on a plaque, but we need to get them back to the word. You can tell somebody how to know Jesus and you can share that, that thing of what happened in your life and how God saved you and how God changed you. And it's wonderful to share your testimony, but we must be always careful to go back to the witness to make sure that we can imply the word of God to them and help them understand how to be saved through scripture. You'll notice during the invitation, I'm very careful to say that if somebody needs to know more about Jesus, I will not give them a gospel track. I'm not going to show you some creed or doctrinal covenant. Instead, we will take the holy word of God and show you what the Bible says about how you can know you can have Jesus. Because why? Because this is the authority. 
I'm thankful that we have a statement of faith. But the statement of faith is man's word supported by scripture. This is God's word. This is our authority. And so Luke says, I must write because I'm the witness. It provoked him that others were telling the story from their perspective and from the things that they had heard and knew to be true. But Luke says, no, you need to hear from somebody who was there. That's why we must always go back to the word of God. Listen, if I can just step aside for a moment and encourage our Sunday school teachers, don't tell the kids stories about the Bible. Give them the Bible. Do you understand what I mean by that? I'm not saying tonight that there aren't great stories in the Bible. There are. David and Goliath is a great story in the Bible. When I say story, I don't mean some fictional story or some bedtime story. I, I believe it to be an absolute truth. But when I say story, I mean something that is taken out of the Bible and presented. That's fine. But listen, a lot of times we get to these little, these little parables with Rocky the squirrel and it has some moral or ethic about it and we're trying to enforce some scripture. We're not here to tell stories about the Bible. Tell them the Bible. Give them the pure, unadulterated word of God. They need it. Luke says, we need the witness of God's word. And then fourthly, we see that he consistently discipled. Verse 4, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things where thou hast been instructed. Theophilus was already being instructed. But Luke says, I need to write this out because I want you to know it beyond all certainty. I need you to just have it ingrained in you. He says, well, how do we do it? Say it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, I, I don't know how many verses of Scripture I've memorized in my life. I've, I, I'm not one, honestly, to sit down and memorize a Scripture. But when I read and prepare for a service, I find those verses just get in my heart and my mind from reading them over and over and over again. I will quote a verse sometimes and I'll say, when did I memorize that? I don't remember memorizing it. But the Lord just puts it in your heart after. You say, why? Because you just keep reading it and reading it and reading it and putting it into your heart. That's where you hide the word, by the way, is in your heart. Now listen. You say, I, I'm, I'm concerned about our generation. I'm concerned about the world. Keep giving them Jesus over as much as you can. This Christmas, every time, chance you get, say, Merry Christmas. Jesus Christ has come. Loudly proclaim. Don't be afraid to put a gospel track in with a Christmas card and, and make sure you're telling people about Jesus and, and why. And if somebody has the truth, don't let the Satan steal it. He says, he says to this man, Theophilus, by the way, I, I would have to guess Theophilus is a faithful guy. You say, why? Because his name means lover of God. I, I don't know that anybody would name their child that. It might be a title that was given later on. Perhaps it's referring to all those who love God. But he's saying, listen, you love God and you've already learned much about him. But Luke says, I need to write this down so that it is faithfully reinforced in your lives over and over again so you'll never let it slip. He said, well, I've, I've been saved 40 years. How much have you lost? How much have you let slip? How much have you forgotten? I know that after a while, church can become routine and we just tune things out sometimes. So I've heard this sermon before. I've read that passage and I, I know about that doctrine and so we let things slip. 
Paul said to say the same things unto you is not grievous but necessary. It was important that he would just keep repeating those. Listen, don't ever, don't ever get discouraged when somebody gets up here and preaches about the birth of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be dismayed when somebody says, I want to tell you today about how Jesus died on a cross and shed his blood for your sins. I want to preach to you today that there's a risen to, uh, Savior and that there's an empty tomb in Israel and that somebody's preaching about the resurrection. You say, well, I've heard it all before. Don't ever be discouraged. Because Luke says to Theophilus, I'm going to write this down. I want you to hear it again, and I want you to hear it again, and we're going to faithfully declare it, and we're just going to keep telling you the truth over and over and over again. He said, oh, that's just brainwashing. No, sir. It's discipleship. By the way, your brain could stand to be washed by the word of God. Wasn't it Paul that said, we are washed by the water of his word? It won't hurt you. The people that live this book are the sweetest, meekest people on the earth because they live and they believe it. And they're not afraid to hear it over and over again. So you say, what is the moral of all this? Well, for some of you, is Gene back there? No. This is Gene's 75th Christmas here at Bethel Baptist Church hearing the same three chapters of the Bible. Brother Gerald, it's probably your 50th or 60th. Long time. 45, I guess, I'm guessing, right? 45. Tony, almost 40. Lori, 102, something like that. <laughs> How many times have you heard Luke chapter 1, Matthew 1, 2, and 3, Isaiah chapter 9? We're going to hear that the next few weeks. Hey, it's good for you. It's good for me to keep eating. Listen, here, here's the thing. You get a meal at home that's good. You say to your wife, hey, cook that again. That was good. Steak on the barbecue, Brother Bob. Amen. Prime rib. Just get that on the rotisserie. How, you ever get tired of that? No. Best meal you'll ever have. Don't get tired of it. Declare it over and over and over again. This summer, my wife, she's afraid just because I said my wife. I'm just pausing for a fact just to let her dwell a minute. Ladies, my wife went to Hobby Lobby. And they had a 50% off sale. And we dropped off Ida, Amanda, and the queen of all shoppers, Judy Judge. We dropped them at the Hobby Lobby. And I couldn't find Rob with a GPS tracker, a telephone, anything. I couldn't find him anywhere. And I texted him finally. And I said, how come I always got to take the lady shopping? And he says, funny how it works that way. But Calvin was with us. And Calvin says, I need a suit. So I said, all right, let's go. We'll go to menswear shops while they're at the Hobby Lobby. So we just dropped them off and we drove away. And we were gone. I mean, we got further away than we hoped to. We couldn't find a suit at one store, so we went and tried another. It got to be about an hour and a half, and Calvin was getting worried. He says, man, our wives are going to be upset. I said, they're at Hobby Lobby. It's like leaving kids at a playground, I mean, or an ice cream store. I mean, we're good. And so I said, here's the truth, and I, I, I really said this. Judy won't even be out of aisle three yet. We're good. 
The problem was I got back and it was my wife's cart <laughs> that was full. And I just went, oh. Now she found some good deals, but she said this. And it's, you can't argue with your wife when she says stuff like this. She says, these are all scripture plaques. And I want to have them up in the house so when the kids come, they see the word of God. We had Josh and Bella living with us. I want them to see the word of God in our house, in every room. Well, how can you say to your wife, go put that back? And so we bought it all, and we brought it home, and we put it all up in different places. That's her way of saying, I want to declare the word of God. So every time I go to get my coat and put it on, right above the rack, it says, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. And I'm reminded every day, pray without ceasing. That's all Luke is saying. Don't be afraid of the word of God. Declare it often. Share it regularly. Reinforce those truths in your lives by the inspired witness of the word of God. And make sure you're eating it and discipling yourself and growing. Listen, if a child doesn't grow, it's the parent's fault. If an adult is stunted in growth, whose fault is it? It's your own. Get into the word. Father, help us, Lord, we pray. Speak to our hearts and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand tonight, heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you make a commitment to the word of God? We have a faithful witness. Jesus is the word. The word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it is, in fact, God's word. We have three witnesses. And as you read it, the Spirit of God unfolds it before you and bears witness with your heart that it is the very Word of God. Maybe there's one here tonight who doesn't know Jesus. We can help you. Like I said a moment ago, we'll show you what the Bible says about eternal life, God's holy Word. It is the only witness that matters.